You'll never find the right person if you never let go of the wrong one. Today we're talking about divorce, which is never an easy subject. Hello and welcome to my podcast, Unapologetically KK. My guest today is Diana Hamadi, who is an attorney at law in the UAE with right of audience before all UAE courts. Hello, Diana, and welcome to Unapologetically KK. Hello, KK. It's lovely to be with you today, Kara. Thank you. Thank you so much. And thank you for talking to us. You are a lawyer and you do a lot of work for women's rights, women's empowerment. And today you're here to talk to us about divorce, which is a very sensitive subject. Definitely it is. Uh, Well, I like to think of myself as a woman who advocates women empowerment, but yet again, I do have men for clients. Right. So let, let it not be a surprise when a woman sees me at court um, on her husband's side. After all, law is a practice, is a career. But um, I always try, even in the most complicated cases, to think of the best interest of a child, just like the court does. Diana, I saw an article while I was doing my research in the national newspaper that UAE has the highest rate of divorce in this region, with Dubai taking first place within the Emirate? Well, it is true, and that is due to a couple of reasons. Right. One of them is that you have people who live here as couples who are not surrounded by family. Mm-hmm. So things do get disrupted in a way and there is not really much of a family to mend um, matters when they are needed most right there's no support system there's no support system then again also Dubai has so many nationalities yes that all got together in such an active city mm-hmm. and people do get uh, if I may say that word exposed to many things that they're not familiar with right people even the sort of people that they you know the type of people they get to meet and things do get to a certain extent quite difficult for families to maintain themselves right in your experience and with the cases that you handle what has been the biggest reason for divorce a lot of it has to do with infidelity So that is one of the main reasons. And then again, of course, financials. Financials, finance, in a way, does affect the stability of a family. Right. I have a few questions here because obviously the biggest problem people have when a relationship is breaking, other than the emotional side of it, there is the financial side of it, like you said, and there's also the children, which is a very, very big issue for for a couple to sort through uh, in terms of custody. So uh, my research showed that a lot of people prefer to stay or feel that they have to stay in in a relationship that is not working because of these reasons, because they're either financially not independent and not able to to support themselves if they do get divorced and they might not get custody of their children. So they also obviously have issues with making sure that they understand the law and, and find the right people to fight in court. So I have a few questions and if you could take us through it and just, you know, kind of give us uh, the the information that would maybe help somebody navigate their way through this. Um, So the first question I have here is, where can I start divorce proceedings? Well, I always say that the fear of the system is unjustified. So there is 
a legal system mm-hmm. that does exist. And it's all about information. The right. first step for any woman, any man who is looking for a way out of an unhealthy relationship, a marriage, whatever it is, is to find the right people to represent them before the platform that is the legal just the justice system and i know i know a lot of people nowadays are doing a lot of forum shopping which means that they would uh, you know hire a lawyer in england lawyer in australia lawyer so just to look for the right legal system and it's not wrong honestly right. because there is a matter of jurisdiction that comes in the way in general i would always say please do your due diligence do investigate and do ask questions mm-hmm. and if you don't want to pay for these questions just you know try to do the google thing yeah. but research yes. yeah research but don't rely on it totally because a lot of it may not be true so just at least narrow your options and know exactly who should you address these questions with Right. So would you when you start your proceedings would you need to go to so your first step is to hire a lawyer. Exactly. Right? Or uh, is there an arbitration um before you hire a lawyer? Or? We, we we don't call it arbitration. Um well actually even to start with what we call conciliation in this country which is right. the first step mm-hmm. of going through a, a court proceeding for divorce it's, it's conciliation and you will need um, a lawyer's help to uh, to at least advise you if you're doing the right thing in the right jurisdiction there's a lot of questions yes. before taking a marriage certificate with the IDs and you know the passport copies of the children and mm-hmm. head to court mm-hmm. to open a conciliation file this is not that easy there's a lot of issues that come into that and the section of the court that handles these cases is it family court it is the family court the family court now in dubai has its own independent building mm-hmm. uh, it has separated itself from the main court building right and uh, they have their the conciliation section is on the second floor mm-hmm. and uh, what they need to open a file is just a number of documents that are usually to do with the identification documents right. and a marriage certificate right and this i'm assuming would be the same in all the other emirates that it you would have to go to a family court conciliation is a crucial um part of the proceedings in divorce in this country in the uae all over it's by law right um my second question is uh, how do i establish grounds for divorce Grounds for divorce in this country are I wouldn't say they are for no fault. You know, there's there's always this um uh, a no fault divorce that mm-hmm. is sought in many jurisdictions nowadays and it's it's not really true. Yet the UAE has and to an almost a no fault for the man. Remember, we are a sharia jurisdiction right. which allows a man to divorce a woman. uh without any fault on her part mm-hmm. yet the same jurisdiction the same ju- judicial system requires that the woman asks for divorce if she has had harm which is harm is literally identified as physical harm mm-hmm. emotional right financial which is when the the man the husband fails to spend mm-hmm. and um eventually uh, one of it is abandonment right. and abandonment could be in bed 
or physical abandonment completely just for the leaving man not her. to leaving her completely. Right. But you're saying she has to prove this in court. For a woman, those are the grounds for, for divorce. Definitely. Now, for a man who is not a Muslim, these are still required to be the grounds for divorce to a certain extent. Yet the court is quite lenient with men based on the fact that men, a Muslim man, can just do the talaq without a fault on the wife. But he still has to go to court and go through the procedures? For some special instances. So divorce can be actually done at the court Mm -hmm. or can be only evidenced by the court, which is to affirm it while it has probably happened sometimes by SMS or even by SMS. That's what I'm saying. But it could have happened at home because the talaq can be thrown we call it throw talaq, mm-hmm. to throw a talaq, which is talaq, which can be by words. And following that, it is the, the job of the court to just affirm it and evidence it. Okay, but this is not available for non-Muslims. Non-Muslims will not benefit from that, no. My next question is, how long does this process take? To divorce mm-hmm. or through the conciliation only? From the time you start, are you forced to go to conciliation? Yes. There you is have no other to. Way. Yes. So how long from the time you decide, I want to start the proceedings, to you actually receiving? Give, a, it, a, give it around two to three months with the conciliation. Mm-hmm. Following that, it may take up to six months with the court of first instance, another six months with the court of appeal. And of course, with the court of cassation, it could go up to three to six months. The idea is that the system itself, this is not because the system is slow. Mm -hmm. No, it's just because it could get stalled because the other party will not settle, will not accept to divorce or will not accept to let go. So it all depends on who is your opponent and how they are taking these proceedings. Otherwise, there's so many cases that I've been representing a couple of some clients in and it was settled mm-hmm. before the conciliators. With mutual agreement. Mutual agreements in in a month or less or more. So things can be done. Right. But fast if track. it's acrimonious and they both parties the contentious, have issues. The yeah. contentious disputes may take very long time. So you're saying it could be two years if you go through the appeal process. I've, and had, then- I've had a case or two that went on for th- four years, three to four years. Wow. Wow. That's, that's a big commitment to make. And once you open up a a case in this country, are you then able to close it and then go to another country? Let's say if you are an expat and you, you decide that, you know, because you have to leave the country and you cannot continue with the proceedings here because it's taking this long, you then close those proceedings here and then start them somewhere else? The case itself will be dismissed if the appellant, I mean, usually we call them the claimant or the party mm-hmm. who has filed right. for it has just not showed up at court anymore. Okay. So it could be dismissed. It could be closed. Mm-hmm. The other instance, I, I believe, is when the parties have decided that they don't want it to go on. Right. Um, they can just agree with the court to withdraw it. Because if the respondent, who is the party mm-hmm. that has been filed against, decides to just stay in the proceedings, the court will issue a judgment. Right. Now, the problem, if the court has issued that judgment, you cannot just ignore that judgment and go to another jurisdiction and open a case again. 
It doesn't work that way. And even when the court is still looking into the case in Dubai, mm-hmm. you cannot just seek another jurisdiction because the courts have somehow of like a respect worldwide for each other. Yeah. And they would say, as long as there is proceedings pending in another jurisdiction, I would not have a competence to look into the case. So it is uh, an internationally binding uh, procedure, which says that if it is going on here, and if you do get a judgment in your favor, you cannot go to another country and start the proceedings all over again to fight that. You have to come back to this court and appeal your judgment. Yeah, within the time limit of appeal. Remember, there are limitations in in, in, in the in law. So like the appeal here for a court of first instance is a month. Uh, while the for the court of appeal to the court of cassation is another 60 days. So there are time frames for appeal. But if the judgment is not final mm-hmm. in any country that you would get it, which is like final binding, that's how we call it. So it, it passed the time that it could have been appealed within. You can enforce it. Otherwise, it will not, never be enforceable. Now, to reopen the case somewhere else, there are very, very limited instances that can allow it. Sometimes you can say that it was in absentia, so I wasn't present in these proceedings. Some other times you can say that the justice system in that country is not on my side. And that can happen sometimes due to religion or other, you know, reasons Mm -hmm. that may be in conflict with human rights internationally. Right. And that's the reason why you would be able to, so it would be more of an exceptional case. Very exceptional and the courts will have discretion. Right. And that depends on every court. Right. The next question is, what is the financial outcome on a divorce? What what can it be? Financial in- outcome for who? For a woman, if she's not working. And uh, she's completely dependent on her husband, which, as I said, is one of the main reasons why people stay in in a marriage that's not working. Well, mainly a woman who is living with her children. I mean, this is the most important thing for women to understand about this this law in this country, that women without children, mm-hmm. if divorced, will get nothing, literally nothing. Because okay. upon divorce, a woman is not in relation to that man in any way, and mm-hmm. he, he is not bound to spend on her. So the relation is cut and terminated with the divorce, and there are there is no spousal maintenance for a wife or for a husband in some, you know, because right. some men also would like to take, you know, to, to just continue living. Yeah. yeah. So it, it's both ways. But in this country, it's not possible. Mm-hmm. So it's the children that guarantee for a woman in this country that her the father of her children would continue to spend money. And this is how she can maintain a life because her children will get the housing, Mm -hmm. the school fees, the maintenance, the housemaid, um, and she will act as a custodian. Acting as a custodian will entitle her to a pay monthly, Mm -hmm. uh, which usually quite minimum because it will never go above anything of 2,500 to 3,000 dirhams per month. Right. But she is getting everything else paid for for the children if I would, she has custody. Yes. I usually call it a package. So right. that's the package that she would get. Usually most of these women are working mothers, mm-hmm. which makes it doable for them in a way. Right. Yeah. So as long as they get child support, 
they support themselves. Exactly. Through the child support. Right. What if the spouse refuses to cooperate? Well, a judgment from the courts um, would, of course, go to an execution judge mm -hmm. uh, where the woman can file uh, to enforce the judgment. And mm -hmm. in the event of default and failure by the husband to abide by the judgment, mm -hmm. there will be consequences, the usual consequences um, of penalty by law, mm -hmm. which could lead even to imprisonment. Right. So there's an arrest warrant that is usually issued. Um, and uh, I've had many cases of this sort that I had to de deal with. Do you have to go back to court and file a complaint to say that and show them proof, I'm assuming, to say that you have not been receiving the support financially of course, as is that's, mentioned? That's what we call, of, that's what the word that we use for the courts when you go to execute a judgment, right. which is to enforce it. And the minute there is a failure of payment, a default, mm -hmm. then, of course, they will go to court and ask the court to enforce it for them. How long is that procedure? Is that fairly simple? It's simple. Nowadays, it's done mostly electronically and there isn't really much fees because mm -hmm. court fees for um, family law cases is still quite minimal. Right. Um, so if it's not as long as the divorce procedure? It's, no, it's no, 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 not really. I mean, it depends, of course. So usually the court does not want to hold the husband as a hostage. Mm -hmm. Um, of a judgment when some men do lose their, lose their jobs some men do have financial issues so they try in a way or another to have a settlement so right. if she had a judgment for 10,000 dirhams a month the court will just say let him pay you 5,000 this month or like less while so his there's mediation and negotiation even the execution judges do play a huge role in that mm -hmm. and they try to make it work okay the next question is Am I allowed to leave the country with my children during the divorce proceedings? Well, there's always a problem in this country, which is called a travel ban. Mm -hmm. And the minute um, a client comes to a law office in this country and talks about divorce, they immediately advise them to have a travel ban on the children so the mother cannot flee the country with them. Mm -hmm. And some people remember we're talking about a country where a husband could be from a country that he is not allowed even to go into his wife's country. Mm -hmm. People do marry from yeah. very mixed nationalities here. Yes. So there's always the risk that he will never be able to see his children. And because we're not signatories to the Hague Convention, so the UAE is not a signatory, which makes it impossible for the state to be involved in returning children to their parents to the, to the parent that has been alienated from the children. Mm -hmm. So that's why the courts here are very keen on not letting anyone take the children out of Dubai unless there is certainty that both parents will be able to see them and live with them. And that's how we use the travel ban. Travel ban is quite scary mm -hmm. because it's funny because you will meet literally children here who have travel bans from both their parents from their mother's side and their father's side. So wow. there's a lot of children yeah, in this country in who middle. are just literally stuck. And it's so, gosh, like heartbreaking. Yes. Because it becomes, it becomes so like, it's all about, I don't know, like really when it comes to divorce, people act as if it's not them anymore. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a very ugly side it's, of, yeah. of It's like, I, I won't let them do what they want to do. Or, yes. And the travel ban is always a risk 
over the head of every mother in this country because the father will immediately have a travel ban. She can't go home. She's stuck. That's at least how she feels. But it's not on the wife. It's on the children. Only the children. Right. You can't do that on your on the wife or the no. wife can't do it to no. the husband. Unless she's she has other issues with the with the state as far as penal code is concerned. But the yeah. travel ban does not come just because of a divorce case. Never. But as a parent, you're saying that you can enforce it if you want to. It is not automatic and it's not mandatory. To enforce a travel ban? On your children, yes. You it's, will... it's your choice that you're doing something out of choice. It doesn't, it's not an automatic ban that, that no, no, takes no, no, place. Never. You will have to go to court, request a travel ban to be put on your children. Mm-hmm. And usually you will just have to... Um, show the court that there is fear of the mother. Mm-hmm. Sometimes the mother would have the travel ban on her children, that the father may just take the children out of the country and the, that party will never see them again. Right. So this is just a way to protect the partners in a relationship from each other's, you know, just disappearance with the children. Right, right. That's that's a lot to think about. It's... As you're saying, it's a very, very difficult emotional side to to be part of because yes. I'm sure it, it must be traumatic for the children. The children, sometimes the children are too little to realize it. Mm-hmm. But again, when they are, I had a case where the mother just like, you know, would beg the father who has divorced her years mm-hmm. ago and the child would sit on the phone and you know, like he was he had a travel ban when he was seven and until the age of 15 his father wouldn't lift the travel ban except when he accepted them you know the travel mm-hmm. that he wished for him to accepted agreed to so I remember like when she would tell me that her 15 year old son would cry over the phone to his dad and say I need a vacation please mm-hmm. let me go and the father would say no no And you're like, even when you plead with the judge, trying to explain that, you know, this is not so bad. The mother has a job. She'll definitely come back. There's always that fear in the heart of the judge that she may just not go and not come back. And they've had so many of such cases in this country that the judges are quite hesitant to lift a travel ban. So what you're saying is that the travel ban is not only during the proceedings of the divorce. The travel ban can continue to stay after the divorce has taken place between At the many couple. cases, there has no, there's no even divorce yet. Some people are living together. They have issues. They have problems. They just immediately put a travel ban. You can go and put a travel ban on your children Anytime. without an issue, without being in no, a divorce proceeding. You have to show that there is fear of the other party fleeing the fleeing the country with the children but you're still living with that person who yes. you're fearful of yes but sometimes it's nationalities issues states issues not having a residence visa in a country or it could be anything as i said it's it's such there's so much to think about it's not straightforward it's not black and white because there is the emotions and there is so much to to go through uh, when you're breaking off a relationship, I mean, even partnerships where business is concerned are so difficult to to break. And then this you're talking about, about a marriage and you're talking about children being involved. There are families involved. So it's it's a lot to do. And, and generally, I think in Asia, we come from this culture of always trying to reconcile. 
you know, I know that there have been certain cases of women that that I have known where they really have wanted to get out of a relationship, but the 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 parents and the in-laws and the 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 you know immediate family has constantly tried to reconcile the couple and saying it's not so bad and it's you know you can work through it where some of the marriages have managed to survive i guess it's always the hope of trying to work it out rather than you know saying we don't want to even it's, try it's funny because i always think of marriage as it's it's too emotional yes. for the state to interfere at least that's my idea of marriage. And I laugh yes. at myself when I say that because I'm a family lawyer. <laughs> so it's like, you know, two people are in love. Who could ever put mm-hmm. rules over them? Now when I have couples, mm-hmm. not really couples, but like, you know, young men or women coming to me to check what their prenuptial agreements could look like. I'm like, wow, you're an exception to the rule, sweetie. Because usually people don't think about they such don't. things. They and that's don't. why a lot of parents try to push their children to start, you know, thinking about these prenups in a way. Postnups are not really the happening thing, but prenups are quite common nowadays. But again, how could you tell a young woman who's in love that this man may not be the right man? Or there are issues that are so obvious now that this marriage will not last beyond a year or two. And when she's stuck with a child, she is going to be, you know, in, in really deep trouble. No yeah, one wants like, to listen. It's like planning to fail. You have a plan in advance because somehow you think it's not going to work out. I mean, going into a relationship and 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 putting things of what's going to happen when you split up is a very, very... I guess, calculating thing to do and a very sensible thing to do and a very practical thing to do. All of these emotions which are not associated to marriage and love and association between two people. It's a dramatic exercise that is quite impossible for a lot of people to do. And they don't want to do it. They don't want to think that this may fail or in any way is at risk. They want to think of the best part of it. Of course. Now, like most of the, it's funny because I sit with people like the marriages don't even last beyond two days after the marriage ceremony. So like, I'm like, why? They just had the wedding. A couple of days later, they're getting a divorce. And I'm like, are you serious? Does that happen? It happens. And quite often, especially with young people who just can't be bothered. You know, they just turn their backs and say, I'm done. I'm not going to go on. The patience. two days. Literally. So I've had, I've seen it and I'm, I'm working with people now on these cases and it's just, but I don't know how to say it. Marriage is another adventure. Mm-hmm. And I believe that when people, like when you want to cross a bridge or, you know, climb a tree, you would always think if I want to come down, how would I do it? Mm-hmm. That's all you have to think about. Don't think that's going to go into a berserk, you know, yeah, But think if something happens. So I always advise women to think of a marriage as an adventure. I'm going to mm-hmm. have the m- most amazing time in it. But let me have my, you know, safeguards in place. Right. Most important, financials. Mm-hmm. Please do not leave your work if you know that you are totally and wholly, you know, dependent on it. Mm-hmm. If you have... 
any savings, do not spend them on your wedding dress. Yeah. If you have, no, no, like really extremely, you know, like just make sure that you have something somewhere yes. to just lean. I've seen women in this country, literally, who could not feed their kids the next day. But that's sensible. I, I agree with that 100% because that is something you should do in any, any state of your life. I mean, whether you're married, whether you're single, you should have your own finances. You should be able to get on with your life no matter. I mean, it's not just divorce. You know, people have accidents. What if tomorrow the your husband is the only breadwinner and he can't earn? What happens to you then? You have to be able to get on with your life. Be, be a member who is contributing to this relationship rather than, you know, being in a position that you make yourself so vulnerable that you can't cope on your own. So I've seen women who were capable of having jobs. They married very young, but their husbands refused to let them work. 20, 25 years later, fell for another woman. He wants out. Mm. And this woman will be literally left with nothing except 25 years that she has totally put herself in that marriage. And Mm -hmm. then financially, she's a wreck. Yes. There is no nothing for her. And a lot of these women, unfortunately, have had the misfortune of being advised by some lawyers in this country, I don't know why, uh, to file for divorce. Even when she had some gift from her husband, let's say a house or a piece of land or some jewelry, or the minute she files for divorce, she's seen by the courts here as someone who has caused harm mm-hmm. or has, you know, and the gift can be revoked. So I'm just, I'm, I'm so upset when I see these things. So she's left with nothing. With nothing. Even the gift that she thought that was for her, mm-hmm. the minute she just goes to court and div- asks for divorce, it's gone. So I always ask, I beg women, please, before you just go and hit your head against a wall, mm-hmm. do ask questions. It's not shameful. It's not just go to the right people and do your research and ask questions. And even if this country, you know that there is nothing much for you, just go and seek another jurisdiction that you know you will get something out of. It's not the end of the world. Wow. Yeah, I I totally agree that you have to know what your rights are, which is why there's so many more conversations we need to have and so much more uh, support we need to give the people who don't have a voice or feel that they have their voice has been suppressed for some reason. And as I said, it is one of the scariest things to be in such a vulnerable position where you literally have seen your entire life where you have being dependent on someone else and that yes. person doesn't want to support you anymore. Exactly. And and you literally feel it's too late for me to pick up the pieces and start again. And especially if you're if you're older, I guess if you're saying that they've been working, they've been in a marriage for 25 years, it's difficult to to go back into the workforce at that uh, I age. I meet women who have been in marriages for 40 years. The minute I look at them and they say, "What do I do now?" What and they have their children who are probably married with children and they just don't want to feel that they are, you know, someone who's going to bother. And so I don't want to live with my children, but you will never have a home now because she's already without any children now to Mm -hmm. act as a custodian for. So it leaves these women at such a disadvantage that the system, I always say that the law here has to 
look after these women yes. who can be just kicked out of their own homes. I can see lately that the judges are not happy with just getting a wife out of a house, mm-hmm. even if she doesn't have any children anymore. But men and their lawyers, sometimes they just go around it in a very tricky way where they just would be able to get her out of the house and put her in a small apartment or something that wouldn't really cost them much. It breaks my heart. But again, I, I believe that the law to change, it needs legislative powers mm-hmm. and people who do understand what women are going through here. Yeah, I agree. But I guess it starts from what you can do for yourself while you're in the marriage. And like you said, make sure that you have your savings, you have your finances. And if nothing goes wrong, you know, that's amazing. Uh, But if things do go wrong, you should have something of your own that you can fall back on so that you're not depending on anybody, whether it's your husband or your children. Remember, divorce is the second cause of grief after losing a loved one one in your life. Mm -hmm. And this is like after death. Literally, it's death and then divorce that actually breaks people's hearts and give them that grief. So emotionally, it's it's very painful. It's a serious problem. Um, So I have some questions here about some real life situations from people and, uh, you know, that I'd like to ask you and if you can just tell us legally what their rights are. Um, The first one here is, I'm currently negotiating divorce from my wife, who is a Russian national. We got married in Moscow in 2013. I would like to know about the division of assets upon divorce and what the correct procedures are as I'm in a deadlock with her in negotiations. Well, I would say for a man that Dubai, as far as forum shopping is concerned, is your best bet because there is no division of assets. What is it, whatever is yours is yours. She will not get any of it. She may, however, um, claim her law to be applied, request the court to apply her law. Now, I don't even know what her nationality is, mm-hmm. but she may come from a country where you will have to give her some assets, you know, right. divide assets between you and her. Uh, however, the courts here do not seriously uphold such you know, international laws, rules, or foreign uh, rules, foreign laws. All the courts do here is sometimes apply foreign laws upon the request of the parties, because this is actually in the law of the UAE. Mm -hmm. Yet, whatever conflicts or is not compliance with public policy will not be upheld and will not be applied. So there are I believe that your best bet is just to go to a lawyer and check with them how to proceed with a divorce. And if you are not in any way forced to divide assets with her, just be kind and nice and give her something that you think is equitable. What happens to joint assets like joint bank accounts and joint properties? Joint will always go half and half. If you actually bought the the asset half and half, mm-hmm. or he gave you half of it, mm-hmm. it's already yours. So the title deed will have both your names on yeah. it. In the event of divorce, I always advise people in this case to please, please, for transfer purposes, do it before divorce. If right. you know that you're heading for a divorce, because you will pay much less fees of the 4% mm-hmm. because you're still blood. Yes. You know, there, there, yes. Is, there is like it's the a husband. Gift. It's a yes. gift, literally. However, 
if if it goes after the divorce, try to do it as amicably as possible because it is seriously a problem in this country. It will have to go to auction. Yeah. If none of you would be able to buy it, then it will not be automatically, you know, like give it, it to be a sold third on party. The open market. It will it will be sold by, by auction, auction, which will actually reduce the, the yes. its, its value of, for a great extent. Wow. The next question is from someone who says, how much maintenance percentage is to be paid by a husband who is working to his ex-wife who is not working? We have one daughter. We are British citizens living in the UAE and own a home in the UK. My question is, how much should my husband pay for child support? And can I live in my house in the UK, even if it's jointly owned? So in Dubai, we go by the 30% of his income. Mm-hmm. And the court may sometimes go above the 30% of his income for maintenance purposes. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the fact that she's thinking of going back to the UK while he's still living here mm-hmm. um, is quite not, not the usual scenario. If he agrees to let her live in the UK and they agree something of that sort of money to be mm-hmm. paid to her, it will be possible. If he refuses that she goes back to the UK, it will be a problem because he's that he can immediately do what we were talking about, mm-hmm. the travel ban. Um, if she relocates to the UK without his per- per permission, he will be able not to give her any money and then she will have to file from the UK mm-hmm. to the to UK courts for maintenance. So, so she will not be able to do it here. The property that you were talking about, the split and the auction, does that apply to properties that are outside of this country as not well? Not at all. The, U- the UAE courts do not have jurisdiction on properties outside the UAE. My next question is, my relationship with my wife has ended and I am seeking a divorce. I don't expect it to be amicable. We have an Islamic wedding and an EU wedding contract. We are both expats, but I am a Muslim and she is not. We have an infant daughter She expects me to pay for everything to keep her current lifestyle, like rent, bills, nanny salary, car, etc. If I don't, she has threatened to leave the UAE with our child. My wife is working but claims not to earn enough. I'd like to know if I should seek a divorce through Sharia court. I would like full custody of my child and I have no objection over any claims on our assets. Well, mainly the case here is of a non-Muslim wife and a non-Muslim wife will not be custodian of a Muslim child. So this man in this case can pursue divorce before the courts here, dismiss the custody of the mother because she's not a Muslim Mm -hmm. and she will get nothing, literally nothing. But when he says that he has his wedding has he's had an Islamic wedding, wouldn't she have to convert? Not at all. A Muslim man can marry a Christian mm-hmm. or a Jewish woman um, without them converting to Islam. They can still keep their religions. Other religions are not allowed as far as Islam, Islamic Sharia marriages are concerned. Mm-hmm. Like a, a Muslim man cannot marry a Buddhist or a Hindu without her converting to Islam because the marriage will be invalidated. Right. So here, when you're saying that in this instance, he can easily get 
full yes. custody. And his question about whether he needs to go by, to Sharia court, is it separate? Is there a Sharia law? And, no, no, no. Uh, There's in, only one court and it's a Sharia court. Right. So he would have to go to... Yeah, but the Sharia court is not what people imagine it to be. The law of the UAE is a civil code. It is a law, just like the French law, mm-hmm. for instance. It's as 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 close as possible to a French law. And the judges are not really all Sharia judges. They're not even Sharia-educated judges in a way. They're all law school graduates. Mm-hmm. And they are they're just going by the law. However, the law is based on Sharia. The law is has a lot of it derived from Sharia, but it is a, it's a civil law. That's what my means. research shows, that Sharia is not Islamic law. It is a Quran-based guidance that points Muslims towards living an Islamic life. And it is not a set of re- legal regulations. Exactly. So that's where we always, when we say the word Sharia, we imagine, some people imagine it to be a code of laws. Mm-hmm. No, it's not. Sharia is just provisions that right. are derived from Quran and Sunnah. My last question here is, I am a Christian woman, but I converted to Islam three years ago. I was married in my Christian life, but have had no contact with my husband for over six years now. I now want to marry a Muslim man. What should I do so that I can get married? So she was married to a Christian man? Yes, and she was a Christian and she converted to Islam. So did she divorce that man no. while she was a Christian? No. Okay, so this is the tricky part. Now she became a Muslim. Mm-hmm. Does that mean literally that she has terminated all the... like? Not, it's not only a relation. Remember, marriage would have a certain legal format. Exactly. So... Just to be on the safe side, mm-hmm. it's better to divorce wherever she had that marriage in. Because in other jurisdictions, they don't understand the idea of someone getting com- to convert to Islam and marry a man. Mm-hmm. In the UAE, it may not be a problem because the fact that a Muslim, she converted to Islam, has actually released her of whatever previous um, status of life she had. Yet... Just to be on the safe side from a civil law perspective, mm-hmm. she should terminate that engagement with that first yeah. Christian man, in a way, legally, and then to remarry here. But she says that she hasn't had contact with him over six years. I'm sure that's not going to be easy for her to maybe even locate him. Then and- she will have to come here with the, um, not abandonment, but the fact, we call it hajr. The, oh, like, you know, we, we call it like the man disappeared. Mm-hmm. As long as there is no contact, the marriage has already ended. Right. So she's kind of relieved as far as this jurisdiction is concerned. Now, I don't know about her country or his mm-hmm. country, mm-hmm. but as far as we're concerned here, she's okay. She's clear to go ahead. But she still needs to do something legally to... As far as the other countries are concerned, if she really does have any connection to those places. She does not have to prove... Anything here, she no, can no, no, remarry, really. yes, and yes. and go on, and that marriage would be legal and binding. Can her husband come back for her if she gets married here? Remember, it's a criminal offense for a woman to marry two men. Mm-hmm. It's really a criminal offense everywhere or here specifically. Um, I know in many countries in the world. I know in India, it is there is a Hindu Marriage Act, which in Hindus you cannot remarry without 
getting divorced first. I mean, you cannot, even a man cannot be married to two women. No, no. Women in this, in, in, in our part of the world, in the MENA, if a woman is found to have married two men, mm-hmm. she will go to jail. There is okay. a penalty of jail term. Yeah. So she should have, she should be very careful. We have had an amazing conversation about a very, very difficult subject. So I really have to thank you for that, for making it so easy for us to understand, for us to know what our options are and where we can go. I will be posting the links to Diana's uh, Instagram and her website and her um, legal details if you need to get in touch with her. Thank you so much for being on Unapologetically KK. It's been a pleasure. Thank you. Thank you. So there you have it. Divorce is not easy, but staying in a relationship that's not working is even harder. Look after yourself first in order for you to be able to help others. This is Kanchan Kulkarni saying goodbye for now and speak to you again soon.